Blog Talk Radio. Radio, and I'm Marcia Joyner, host of Betrayed by Hospice, brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit and our producer, Marty Oakley. We'd like to thank you for spending time with us this evening. Um, a quick announcement, the Whistleblower Summit, typically held in Washington, D.C. in July, will be for the second year in Zoom format instead of in person for obvious reasons. The segment that our group provides is guardianship and hospice and medical harm to our elderly and disabled. More information on how you can view the program will be forthcoming via Facebook groups and PPJ Gazette. The purpose of this program, if you're not familiar with our program, is to share information about the dangers of trusting without verifying, and we encourage you to do your own research. We provide victims' families a safe place to tell their tragic stories so that you know that these are real people, and we also bring professional guests on to share their expertise in hopes of helping you save your loved one from a cruel, hastened death. It is not about politics or religion, but sometimes these topics cross with the medical field. The guest experience and opinions are theirs, and they may not necessarily reflect those of the host or the producer. We also provide resources that you can acquire additional information, so you might want to have pen and paper handy. Briefly, hospice was created in 1967 to provide compassionate care and minimize pain for the actively dying, who couldn't be treated with medication or any procedures. And I say that actively because there is a big difference between what is happening today It was determined, and it is determined today, that a patient may have only six months to live, and the doctor doesn't really know. That's just a guess. So if a person had cancer and all efforts had, they had exhausted all the efforts and the person is really in pain, then they could minimize their pain because nobody should be forced to be in pain their last days. Today it has morphed into almost anything will qualify you. And because I believe in looking things up, I'm going to give you a link to look it up for yourself, vitas, V-I-T-A-S dot com. And what can be treated today, such as COPD or congestive heart failure, and they can be treated with medication, but it doesn't matter. You qualify. Going to the hospital three times in a year, or if you have problems feeding or dressing yourself, or if you're incontinent, you qualify for hospice. And they don't just minimize the pain. They drug the person into a coma with opioids, typically morphine, give them Ativan, Haldol, or Seroquel, supposedly to calm them down, which has many horrible side effects, 
And they might not even be anxious until you give them these drugs. And oftentimes the patient isn't even in pain, but they still start morphine. The person is no longer able to eat, drink, or talk, and they continue this process with the morphine and with the anti-anxiety medication until the victim dies a horrible, painful, and frightening death while the family stands by helpless and has no clue what's going on and what just happened. It's part of their plan, it's cruel, and it's a lie. They manipulate families day in and day out because they are literally trained how to do this. We've all been misled, and we carry a great sense of guilt because of it. And hospice staff literally recruit victims by trolling hospitals, and they approach someone who may have been there several times for broken bones or breathing issues or congestive heart failure, and they offer to provide help. They say, we can make your life better. We can provide baths, sitter service. We can give you food. You don't have to go to the hospital or the doctor's office because we'll send a nurse to you. They make it sound very appealing, and we all fell for it. And months or weeks later, our loved one died from a hastened death. And the doctors at the hospitals are complicit because they're the ones telling the hospice people that there's a person here. How else would they know? They work together. The bottom line is it is cheaper to hasten someone's death than continue to treat them when they're not going to get any better. They're getting older. They won't get better. It's cheaper to get rid of them. My mom was a victim of this in 2017 in a Georgia hospice where we fell for their lies also. Fast forward to now, my dad is 93, and he lives with us, but he will never become a victim of theirs. He does have issues, but that's okay. We'll work with them. We'll figure it out. But I know the truth now, and I will protect him. He will not be another victim. The primary focus when I started doing this program was on hospice, but I have found that these murders are happening in hospitals, nursing homes, and long-term care facilities. No one is safe, and you need to research now until and not wait until the time comes when you have no clue what's going on. And there is a quota system. Hospice doesn't tell you about it, but fortunately a warrior stood up and said no more to what was going on in hospice and reveals the truth in her book, Killing for Profit, The Dark Side of Hospice. Michelle Young Dewars was a hospice respiratory therapist who witnessed firsthand betrayal, the quotas, promises made but not kept, and what really happens once inside of hospice, and she shares that insight in her book. I encourage you to check it out. It's quite the eye-opener. For a list of the drugs that I was talking about and their side effects, there is a group called HALO, H-A-L-O, voice, altogether, .org, and they advocate for the rights of the medically vulnerable And they have a helpline that you can call. That number is 888-221-4256. If you're already aware of the dangers and you want to help, they're always looking for volunteers. They also have a legal life-affirming medical document that might save your life. Another resource is Life 
legaldefensefoundation.org, and they have access to pro-life attorneys in most continental United States if you're trying to get your loved one out of a bad situation. So you could also check them out. Um, Ron Panzer is, or he still is, a hospice nurse, and he wrote Stealth Euthanasia, Health Care Tyranny, and he talks about what happened, why it happened, and how did we get here. That book is free. You can download it because he doesn't want to leave anybody behind, and he wants everybody to wake up to the truth. Canada also has major issues. They have euthanasias legalized there in the United States. We have assisted suicide. But in Canada, they're calling it what it is. It's euthanasia. And their website is epcc.ca. And the elderly are being harmed, taken advantage of with guardianship and early death daily. And it's premeditated murders, and they're being condoned because it's saving money, and greedy people are making money, and our loved ones are paying the ultimate price, their life. A case in point that I'd like to mention is CEO Bradley Harris from Novus, Texas, from Novus Hospital in Frisco, Texas, and he is now serving jail time for Medicare fraud, not for the murdering the patients, that they have witnesses, they have text messages, but he's there because of fraud. It's all about the money. I'd like to leave you with a quote before I introduce our guest. Fulton J. Sheen stated, The refusal to take sides on great moral issues is in itself a decision. It is a silent acquiescence to evil. The tragedy of our times is that those who still believe in honesty lack fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. You choose which you are going to be. Tonight, I'm pleased to introduce my guest, Francine Gargano, who is an attorney in New Jersey and quite unique. She is aware of what I've been talking about, and she advocates for the elderly, She's not afraid to stand up and fight for them during and afterwards. She is another true warrior that I'm pleased to have met and bring to you to share information on important documents, being an advocate, knowing your rights, and what we can do moving forward, and some personal stories about abuse. Names changed, of course. She has spent most of her life in North Plainfield, New Jersey, and has been practicing law for more than 25 years, protecting the life and business interests of her clients. She is actually interested in politics, which is a good thing, because perhaps she can affect legislative change with what's happening. If you're in the area and need of an attorney, check her out. She has represented some high-profile cases in the news, been quoted as legal source on issues, spoken at many seminars, and has been on previous other radio shows. Francine is also a member of the Hall Mills murder case, which occurred in 1922 in Somerset, New Jersey, and is unsolved. Um, After she told me about this, I read up about the case, and it's quite interesting if you care to see for yourself. I came up with my own conclusion about who I think did it, but it's very interesting. 
Um, other fun facts about Francine is that she lives in a registered Victorian house. She collects dolls, and she hosts tea parties with all the vintage charm. So she's a real down-to-earth person who also happens to be a lawyer and an elder advocate and a warrior. So I'd like for you to join me in welcoming her to our program tonight. And towards the end, we will be taking questions. So if you select one on your phone, you will be put in a queue to ask your question. If you are listening online, you can text in on your messenger and we'll get that, and you can ask your question. So with that, Francine, I would like to introduce you and have you come on and give you the floor. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you for having me on uh, tonight. I think you covered everything, and we can all go home now. <laughs> you you <laughs> no, covered not it quite. all. <laughs> but what you You've got a in lot your, more What share. you said in your introduction really gives people um, a good overview of what they need to be looking at. It's something that is not really discussed on a regular basis. In fact, death and dying is not discussed most of the times amongst the family. It's discussed now by the doctors. Um, and a lot of people don't even come to lawyers. They're letting their, the medical people handle their legal documents. So with that, I want to start out just generally talking about legal documents, if that's okay, because Excellent. that's where yeah. everything starts. And people don't realize when we talk about estate planning that we're talking about a number of documents. So most people understand a will, and they understand that when they die, they're going to leave their stuff to their their spouse and then their children. Most people understand that document Everybody should have one. I don't care who you are. Everybody should have one. And everybody should get to an attorney right away and take care of these documents. I'm not going to make money off it because there's people all over the country and maybe all over the world listening to this. But I'm going to tell you, when I went to law school and learned about wills and power of attorneys, because we didn't have living wills at that time. I'm dating myself. But we didn't have living wills. We did not advocate the murder of people when I went to law school. But when I learned about these documents, I hand wrote, which I don't, I don't suggest anybody does because you have to still have the proper uh, witnesses and everything else, but I hand wrote a will right away. So most people understand that they should get a will, but they don't understand that there are other documents. And the second document is a durable power of attorney. What this does and it could be a medical power of attorney, or it could just be a general power of attorney, or like mine, have both in there. So when you're sick and you can't take care of your own affairs, and it could be something as, as simple as you have pneumonia and you're going to be in the hospital for three weeks and you can't pay your bills, and somebody has to write out checks for you. Somebody has to talk to your landlord. Somebody has to go to the doctor and, and discuss things with them you need to have a power of attorney because otherwise there's nobody out there who can just do everything. That includes spouses because spouses don't have total rights. They have to go for guardianships too. People don't understand that. Spouses can't sell a house if it's in, in the person's name who's sick or the car or take money from the bank. So everybody needs a power of attorney. This person you choose 
needs to be somebody who will advocate for you, especially if it's a medical power of attorney. It can't just be somebody who wants to take the easy way out. And that is what we're seeing. That's what you're talking about. It cannot be somebody who's easily manipulated. Right. I'm not sure what happened to us. Go ahead. Or who wants you to die and doesn't want to be bothered with you. So you need to trust that person. The Terry Schiavo case. Well, you, you and I Correct. discussed the Terry Schiavo case. People's spouses who want to get rid of them, who weren't happy right. with them to begin with. The last thing they want now is this noose around their neck. Because everybody loves you when you're healthy and you're providing and you're making money, right? But when you become right. disabled or or old, or frail, now you're a burden. So it used to be in our society that the elderly were admired, okay? They were put up on pedestals. They were, they were the ones we listened to. They were the ones who taught us. Um, I loved my grandparents. I spent up until the day my grandmother died, I was with her when she died. Um, you know, that's what we were taught with the elderly. But now people are being taught that they're a burden on society, and especially exactly. people who are ill. You could be young and ill. You're a burden on society. You're a burden on your family. And so you need somebody who is going to be able to fight against that. Now, when I grew up, everybody was tough. <laughs> now, maybe because I'm a Sicilian, I don't know. But nowadays, people are extremely weak, extremely weak. If a doctor says your loved one has to die... They're just like, okay, they, they don't go get second opinions. They don't say it's not going to happen. You know, they, they're not prepared to fight. And so, But don't you when, think it's because we trust hospice when some, you know, like you said, when the doctor says, you know, oh, well, the person's only got six months to live or three months to live, you know, they don't get a second opinion because they trust the doctor. And you've always heard that hospice was compassionate but you didn't hear that hospice kills people. You know what? I don't have to hear that to know that that's what they do. I mean, I don't need anybody to tell me that. That's exactly what, what else are they doing. And when a doctor well, tells me three months. Hastening, they're not, you, don't, you don't believe that they're hastening your death. You believe, yes, that person's going to go die, but you have no clue that they are going to put them into a coma and, you know, dehydrate and starve them to death. Except I do. I, I can't okay, say do. I don't. Or I can't say my family doesn't. Maybe it's just because, you know, of the type of education we have. We are fully right. aware that when they tell you, listen, when somebody's saying I'm sending you home, just, just take this. This is what's happening, okay? First of all, think about it. How does a doctor know how many months you have to live? How? He doesn't. How do they, have? they don't. That's arbitrary. And I'll tell you how arbitrary it is. When I was a little girl, my grandfather had a massive heart attack. And at that time, they had nothing really for your heart. They had digitalis, you know, that little pill you put under your tongue. That was it. There was no defibrillator. There was no um, medications. There was nothing. No open-heart surgeries. There was nothing. We were all taken into his room, and I'll never forget this. I was very little. We were told to say goodbye. The doctor said his heart was destroyed and there was nothing they could do. 
And at that time, they kept you in a hospital, okay? They didn't, there was no hospice, they didn't, or if there was, they didn't talk about it. They didn't send you home with hospice. They kept you in a hospital to a certain point, and the man just didn't die. So they said, okay, go home, take it easy, you know, you can't work. And that's what he did, and he lived about 35 years past that date. So that oh might be goodness. why, yes, and I had aunts who were given um, death sentence on um, cancer, and I had one aunt, she was in her 30s, it was uterine cancer, which is one of the killers. She was told she was going to die within months, and she lived into her 70s. So I have seen this personally, personally in my own family, that doctors do not know. This is just their speculation. So when you have laws that say, well, if the person's going to die within the next six months, you know, there is no such thing as a person's going to die in the next six months. We don't know that. A person can have a massive heart attack, be resuscitated, and this happens all the time, and live for 40 years. People are resuscitated all the time with heart attacks, but we make people DNRs. So the, the public has to understand that while, you know, this is your doctor and hopefully you have a good doctor, you should never rely on them to make those kind of decisions. They can't. They cannot tell you that. They have people believing that. They have, I mean, I, we're going to go over some situations, and if you want me to go over them now, um, you know, I had one person who came to me whose mother had had a massive stroke. And, he, and of course, they never come to me, which they should when things are happening, right? They're, the doctors right. put pressure on them. You have to decide right now. Once we put them on a ventilator, we can't take them off. You know, you're, they're going to be, you know, in pain, whatever. They, they give you all this nonsense, right? Anyway, so they talked him into doing nothing for his mother, and she died. And this man, I saw him a couple years later, and he was telling me, and he started crying in my house, saying, I can't live with myself. I don't know if I made the right decision every day since this has happened. And I said to him, you didn't give her, you didn't do anything for her. She had a stroke. People have strokes all the time. They have mm-hmm. strokes. They get therapy. Even with a stroke, you can live. If you can't talk, you can live. If you can't walk, you're alive. And, and he knew that after the fact. After the fact, he was horrified by what he had done. So people who are doing these things have to live with it, and, and that's, that's tough. So right. we, we need people to get to attorneys. Do not do this at hospitals. Do not do this in doctor's offices. I mean, we have nursing homes coming up with forms. We have hospitals coming up with forms, especially when we get into the living wills, or now they call them advanced directives. 38 years ago when I started practicing, there was no such thing. We did not do that. We did not make plans for people to be murdered. It came afterwards that we started doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and the legal profession wanted nothing to do with it, but as part of Obamacare, it became mandatory. But even before that, when you would go into a hospital, they would start questioning you as to whether or not you had a living will. So I had a client call me up one time, hysterical. She was going in for toe surgery. And she goes there, and they start questioning her about, does she have a living will? And they wanted her to sign, you know, 
that if something happened to her, that they wouldn't resuscitate her and that they wouldn't do this and they wouldn't do that. So she called me up completely hysterical. She thought that they were lying to her about what was wrong with her, right? Because if I'm having a simple toe procedure, why are they talking about murdering me, which is what they were doing? And I just, you know, I just said to her, look, you tell them it's not, and this is what I say, and I hope every listener out there will get the guts to say this. When somebody asks you, do you have a living will, you tell them it is not your business. That is between me and my attorney. It is a legal issue. It is not a medical issue. It is not a medical issue. Right. So um, I've had... And talk about the DNR. Oh, yeah. DNRs. Now, you know, during COVID here in New Jersey, and if you're following what's going on with COVID, um, the biggest problem with COVID has been the murder of the elderly in the nursing homes. That's right. None of those people had to die, and I know a lot of them who died. None of those people had to die. But our governors over here on the East Coast deliberately infected people deliberately mm-hmm. okay they put people with the covid into the nursing homes we have recordings of governor murphy being told you're going to kill people my sister and my nephew are big advocates for the disabled myself my sister and my neighbor and my nephew and other people before it all started, kept saying, they're going to kill the elderly and the disabled. And they were on the phone. They were on the phone with FEMA. They were on the phone with the civil rights organizations. They were on the phones with all the organizations in New Jersey that were supposed to be for the elderly and disabled. Everybody knew to not do it, and they kept doing it. And every phone call, my sister was on there complaining, and yet they kept killing people. So I I know of one person who had, it was in a nursing home, and they put a person with the COVID in her room, in her room. They just put a bullet in her head. And there was no treatment for it. They got no treatment. They tell you not to treat. Yeah, they tell you not to treat. That's the other thing. They convince people not to treat. So when COVID was coming down, I had friends who had people in the nursing homes who were getting letters, and I have one of them, from the nursing home facility saying our partners in the in the county and the state government, um, you know, want to have you make your loved one not just a DNR, a do not treat. They didn't want them treated for anything. If they had pneumonia, if they had congestive heart failure, they a UTI. Them, a UTI. They didn't want them to treat because they didn't want them taking up beds in the hospital. And and there was a whole big thing which I didn't agree with from day one about them deciding the order in which people would be treated. So if you were young and healthy, you'd get treated. If you're old or disabled, you don't get treated. Even though you might be there first, you get turned away. So we are we are euthanizing people in so many more ways than just hospice. Hospice, you're lucky if you make it to hospice, to hospice now. You're doing fine if you make it to hospice because they can kill you in so many legal ways. 
And then what, then what he did here in New Jersey is he made it so you couldn't sue these places, right? So right. then he passes a law so you can't sue these places. No so, accountability. And they also, in the many places, they did call hospice in to the nursing homes because they said hospice knew how to deal with this and they would know how to deal with the families. So hospice was called in in many cases, and they did euthanize, but the families were not able to see the people. Mm-hmm. And what they, they tell everybody is they died peacefully in their sleep. You know, it was just their time. There was nothing we could do. You helped do this to them by the sheer fact that you infected them, you refused to treat them, and then you started giving them um morphine and Ativan to shut them up and keep them in their rooms because they did not want to be bothered with them. They did not want to have to take someone to the bedside toilet. They didn't want them coming out of their room. We've had people guest on that they were literally locked into their rooms. People that had their wheelchairs taken away from them have had their glasses and their hearing aids taken away from them and the whole time being drugged so that they could not get out of their room. Mm -hmm. And this is how we treat. We should respect Exactly. We should respect and honor our elderly. We should not murder them and abandon them, mistreat them, and but yet this is what is happening in society and people are starting to get it, but everybody doesn't get it. They don't. They really don't and you know, here it was the veterans that suffered the most. And we had the president had set up places in New York and New Jersey that could be used where they could separate either the COVID people there away from the people who aren't sick or vice versa. And they were never used. Millions and millions of dollars of taxpayer mo- taxpayers' money, the ship that came in and all the places that were set up for free for us here in New Jersey and New York were never used. And our right. governor said, take it back. And instead, right. we have the documents. We have the proof that it was not. It wasn't accidental. It was done no. on purpose. And I still have people who will argue with me. We have tape recordings. We have letters. We have emails. We have documents. And people will still argue with me. That's the but problem. Since when do you when do you quarantine well people? <laughs> well, when do you lock out loved ones? They right. could not. They, they could not get in to see them. They could not even get in with to PPE. See, they I mean, everybody in. was like, "What? What do I need to do? You know, I'll wear a space suit. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll yep. wear my mask. I'll yep. wash my hands. Yep. I'll just let me see my mom." And they refused to let them in. It's and it was cruel. the employees. It's inhumane. Right, and the employees was the, the employees were the ones who were bringing in the virus, and the employees, at least here in the veterans' homes were refused, and there's documentation to what I'm saying, they were refused access to PPE. They were told they were not, they couldn't even bring their own. They were, they were refused to wear masks. They were told they could not wear masks. So a lot of them got sick and some of them died, okay? So some of the workers, that's why people started saying, heck no, and they abandoned them, and then they had no help. They weren't being fed. We had stories of where people were opening the windows in the middle of the winter 
okay, with with these people who were in wet depends or whatever, because nobody was changing them. And ice cold air is coming in because the room stinks, and they're not being fed because wow. their food is over on a table that they can't reach, and there's nobody there to help them. So those who didn't die from COVID died from other things. Right. Right. Okay. It's and that, that's just the COVID. So before you even get to hospice, you need a family members. You know, I was telling everybody, take them out. Take your people out now. Get them out. Right. And not everybody had the luxury to be able to do that. But I kept saying, so I know one woman who did. She grabbed her father, only one out of all the people I spoke to. She grabbed her father and she took him out and said, it's not going to happen to my father. But I know so many people who died a horrendous, horrible death. And you're right. And what they did is they told people there's nothing else to do. And then they did the, the whole hospice bit. And they'll say, and I had people say, yeah, they brought in hospice. And people mm-hmm. don't, what, do you understand what hospice is? So when you set up any of these documents, you have to have people who know how to say no and stand up and fight and say, I'll go to another hospital. I'll, I will pull you out of here right now. I will carry you over my shoulder out of this hospital if I have to. You know, I will change doctors. I will, even if you bring in hospice and you see when you don't understand, you see something wrong, throw them out of your house. Exactly. You just you have right to you revoke right. them, and you can go to a different hospice or you yes. cannot have hospice at all. But Absolutely. the problem is, is they paint such a beautiful picture of how they can help you, and it's the Facebook group that I. Am in. People were recently talking about that and were saying that the person who came in didn't even do anything. And I know in my mom's case that they sat behind her on their telephone and they were not either physically capable or wanted to help mom. And so, therefore, my dad was still taking her to her bedside potty and still doing mm-hmm. things for her because the hospice staff that were coming in, we're not doing anything. And we've had many people in our group who have said the same thing, that they did nothing. They don't do anything. You get promised everything. And that's um, Michelle Dewar's book. You know, you get all these promises, you know, apple pie, but you don't get it. No, Medicare fraud is rampant. And the only way you can get these places is what you said in the beginning, is through Medicare fraud. What they do is they'll bill for an hour, and they'll spend 20 minutes. They spend they spend the rest of the time in their car or on computers or looking at their phone or playing games. I was told right. recently, at least here in New Jersey, that somebody who comes out of the hospital, not on hospice, okay, but needs home health care, um, can only, and I have not checked this out, I'm not sure it's true, that they only get one hour of a home health aide who can only take care of their personal needs like bathing them they do not clean up, they, you know, their area like they're supposed to. They do not do laundry. They do not cook for them. They don't do anything. I was told only if you're on hospice, then you get two hours and you get all those benefits. Now, isn't that interesting? So if you want to die, if you'll let us kill you, we will give you benefits. But if you think you're well, going to live, you. we're not going to give you it. Yeah, you get a bath. 20 minutes out of the hour you're supposed to get, we're going to go sit in our car the rest of the time because people are watching us, 
and that's what you're going to get. But if you will voluntarily die, then we will give you two hours. I was appalled. I'm like, wait, who needs the two hours more? The person exactly. who's dying or the person who's trying to live? So you right. tell me that, and that's the government, okay? If that's a true story, then we have the government to blame for that. Well, that's- the other thing is they, I've talked to people that have said that they were told if they signed their person up for hospice, they could come in to visit them. That was the only way that they could come visit, have a physical visit. If you sign your mama up for hospice, uh-huh. then you can visit her, but otherwise you're not going to be allowed to come in here. In the hospital, so because people, you had to be? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. You had so to be on So people were signing door. their yeah. people up, their loved mm-hmm. ones, up for hospice mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. they could see them because they were told mm-hmm. that's the only way that they could have physical contact. Mm-hmm. Who I mean, this that? Is, this is immoral. This is immoral, but you said it in the beginning. There is no outrage. I am telling you, I was posting this stuff everywhere. I was asking attorneys. I was writing to the Bar Association. I was writing to every organization I knew out there, the um, the, um, uh, ACLU. I'm like, ACLU, you're supposed to be standing up for people. Where are you in this? Nobody even responded. I had an attorney who was in charge of one of the groups, and I said, what are you people doing? Why aren't we doing something? Right. We volunteer for every other thing. We volunteer for every stupid thing there is out there. You have lawyers out there volunteering, and yet these people are being murdered. And it wasn't until it became, I hate to say this about my own kind, until it became lucrative that attorneys started to come out of the woodwork. When they mm-hmm. thought, okay, now all these people are dead, now we can, you know, maybe we could sue some people, and but that's when I started it, hearing from lawyers. But they only did it with the cases with COVID. They're still, mm-hmm. with the exception of you, Francine, but they're still not accepting that people are being murdered and people have a right to be able to walk into an attorney's office and say, my loved one was murdered Please help me. And with us, it's not about money. We don't want any money. We want justice. And if the only justice we can get is somebody saying, you overdosed this person's loved one, and it has got to stop in their, you know, whether or not they spend time in jail, whether or not they find them, whatever it is. But what happens is people have an attitude of, well, you know, they were in hospice. What did you expect? They were old. They've yes. lived a good long life. It's, yes. You know, it's time to let them go, get over it. We're not getting mm-hmm. over it. We're not forgetting. We're not forgiving. And we're not going to get over it. And it was peaceful. It's a lifelong thing. I, can't Im- I cannot imagine that as peaceful, knowing somebody's overdosing you and, and drugging you to the point where you can't talk and say stop. That is not people. And every time I see in the newspaper newspaper in an obituary that the person died peacefully in their sleep, I want to smack them because nobody dies peacefully. I mean, it just the the massive heart attack death is very rare. And I know exactly what they're talking about when they say that. It is not peaceful. I only saw one of my friends. um, So I'm going to go to the living will again. My And you talked about an organization that has a certain document, but I personally have a living will that says everything must be done. 
period. And I don't care if you think I'm brain dead, because the only thing brain dead tells you is that the present machinery cannot detect brain activity. It doesn't mean that machinery five years from now or ten years from now won't. Uh, my heart is beating. I am alive, okay? And don't it, give me and it um, doesn't brain mean dead. you won't heal. It right, doesn't it mean does, that your exactly. brain won't heal. All right, and if I'm on a respirator for 40 years, there are people coming out of respira- off of respirators 20 years later, then, and they're alive, okay? So I have, I have this in mind. It says everything must be done. I've had right. numerous people who've done the same thing, and I always sit with their families. I spend a lot of time, and this is like the, where I spend more time on this. I can't tell you how much time I spend explaining this to people. I say, first of all, Leave the document here with me because I had an instance where a friend of mine, back when AIDS first started, read that stupid book about how to kill yourself with AIDS and try to overdose or overdosed. And he gave his sister the living will. And she ran into the hospital ahead of me and she handed them the living will. Now, do you think the, the person at the desk can read a living will? Are they lawyers? Mm-hmm. Can they interpret? There is a checkbox, and that's all there is. Person has living will. They don't, even if it's on file, nobody reads it. So I go running in, and they're saying, we cannot resuscitate, not, we cannot um, pump his stomach because he has a living will. Now, that's not even logical, right? Okay? It's not logical because you, you, somebody tried to kill themselves. You don't not pump their stomach under any circumstance, even with the living well. That's not an extraordinary medical procedure. It's not like open-heart surgery. And so their argument was that because he had AIDS and was going to die from it, therefore they should not do this. Well, he shocked them, of course, and he lived. There you go. He lived through it. Um, unfortunately, he, the, he did succumb to the AIDS where all of his friends didn't. They all survived. They ended up with the cocktail, and I got the notice the day after he died that he had been accepted into the cocktail trials. I don't know if you know all this about AIDS. I, spent, I have a, an award for not. my work with people with AIDS. Um, so it was like much similar to COVID um, in the way we treated people and everything else and our lack of knowledge and where it came from mm-hmm. and all those things. So um, anyway, that was an instance where I saw you just don't tell these people about this because they make a determination. So I've had several people who've had living wills similar to mine that say you have to do everything. And one who ended up in hospice, okay, and I was trying to say to the person, you cannot do that. That is not what the living will says. It says you must do everything, and going into hospice is not doing everything. And I couldn't get them to grasp this, okay? And it was one of the few people I saw the day they died. I mean, I always figured, how do they call you in and say, you better get here? They're going to die within a couple of hours. How do you know that? I don't know when but, I'm going to well, die. You, you don't know, know when you're going to die. That. Well, I know because they're, they're going to kill you in because those hours. Because they're drugging them. Exactly. I know. And the families are not getting it. So I was called in, and I'm sitting there with this person going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I was horrified. He he was out cold, out cold, had no idea Mm -hmm. what they were doing. In a coma. And I just couldn't. I couldn't. And I've had another one where a simple procedure would have saved the person's life, 
And even though it said everything had to be done, the doctors convinced the family to not do the procedure. And one of my favorites is the doctors say this all the time, okay? They might die if we do the procedure. Okay. They might die, but they're going to definitely die if we don't. If you don't. Wait, wait, how do you how do you opt for okay, let's not do it because they might and people say that to me, well we had to do that because they might have died and I'm like and they're going to suffer. I don't think so. They're out. They're out cold on the table. They're not suffering. They're suffering this way. They're suffering mm-hmm. this way. I've had people who've watched hospice come to me afterwards. I had one person. I'm going to not give you sex so you can't determine. One spouse who saw another spouse for two weeks being starved, okay? They were told there was nothing else they could do. The person was starved to death, and they sat there and they watched this. And this person came to me and just cried their eyes out and said it was the most horrific thing that ever happened. It was, I don't know, under six months before that spouse died. That's, I knew that person wasn't going to live. They could not live with what they saw. They could not live with their decision. And mm-hmm. I knew they, they just weren't going to make it. I knew it the day I met with them that they just weren't going to make it. Um, they didn't even want to live. They, they didn't want to live anymore after watching that. Um, well, horrible. and then if you feel the guilt from it because you made that decision, if you had anything to do, and, and and the thing is that we don't know. We're not, you know, medical people. We don't know the ins and outs. We don't know what the medicine will do to them. We we suspect something is going on, and that's, you know, what I tell people. If you think something is wrong, take action. Do that's not it. listen to the doctor. Yep. You know, contact somebody who's stronger than you are. If you can't tell the doctor no or the nurse no, you get back you know, you don't have the backbone, that's okay. A lot of people don't. Get somebody in there who does. Right, and that's and that's where attorneys come in. And I know, you know, everybody's afraid of the money all the time, and I get it. Listen, we all don't have money to throw around. But when it comes to your loved one, that should not be your first priority. And they use money. That's another manipulative tool. They use money against these people to convince them you're going to lose your home, mm-hmm. Um I had one person tell me that they were told that they had to agree to be cremated, which is against their religion, okay, uh, in order for their spouse to get benefits. And I was like, what? What? I never heard of that. I never heard of that. I, I said, can you bring me something? They never followed up with it. And their their daughter was with me when the person said it. And she's like, what? And I'm like, what? But I think I understood what they were saying because what they do is they only want you to have a certain amount of money. And they never give you enough money for your burial, okay? So a burial nowadays, at least here in New Jersey, for a cheap garbage couple of hours is, uh, is more than that. You're probably looking at 12 to 15. Okay, mm-hmm. and so they take so they take your dignity from you, they take your life from you, they take your religion from you. They don't even allow you to have a space here on earth. Okay, right. They don't allow right. your friends to say goodbye. They take everything from you, and so people get terrified. They they think they're going to lose their house. They're told, oh, if you don't do this, oh, they're t- they're told this it's going to be long term. 
This person's going to be like this for a long time. They need a lot of help. Um, nobody's going to want to do this. Now, I admire some people. I have a friend whose wife had a stroke, and he took her home. And when I saw him, he looked like garbage, and she looked great. And I'm, it's not an easy He's task. He's exhausted. He's exhausted. It's not an easy mm-hmm. task. But he said it to me. It is not easy. Yep. He said to me, I was not going to do that to her. But I've seen other people who just willingly, without even trying, throw these people away. And mm-hmm. so when hospice, you know, presents this beautiful picture to you, people take it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand it because it's, I'm not raised that way. I was never raised that way. We were not raised to put people in nursing homes. We were not raised to kill people. I was not raised that way. But people today are being trained that way. The doctors are being trained to, to help people, to, to, to talk people into wanting to, to die. I mean, they're being trained. They're not being, they take an oath to do no harm and then they kill people. They're being trained on how to do it. All the medical staff, they're being trained. I was in a nursing home facility, and this is why you should never do a DNR or do not treat or a DNR. I was there getting a patient, and the nurse was on the phone with the doctor, and I could hear both sides of the conversation. And the nurse said to the doctor, the person was having some difficulty breathing, and she said, I called an ambulance to take her to the hospital. And the doctor said exactly this, is she a DNR? And the nurse kind of looked like, what? why are you asking me that? The nurse said, yes. The doctor said, cancel the ambulance. Wait and see if she gets any worse. Now, wow. Let her DN- die. Uh, yes, a DNR does not mean you're not supposed to go to the ambulance. Go in an ambulance, right. not go to the hospital, not be treated. Now, I, so I had, normally I don't keep my mouth shut, but I had to because I was there with a client and I couldn't affect my client, okay? So about a week later, I go, and there's a person there who lives in my town who I was seeing every time I went there, and they said their relative died. And something in me said, I bet you any amount of money it was that person that they killed them that day, that day. That, well, that was people murder. Don't, people do not understand what, a DNR means, and and maybe you should go into that. Explain what exactly does it mean? A DNR. Well, a DNR is do not resuscitate. And so, if you have a heart attack and you are out, you're gone, you're dead. They are not supposed to use those paddles on you and resuscitate you. And really, they should only be lim- used in very very limited circumstances. A lot of these things came about because of cancer, okay? You mentioned in the beginning. Go back. Go Mm -hmm. back. What should only be used, a DNR or the paddles? Well, DNRs, hospice, all these things came about originally because of cancer patients. Okay. So unless it is, and you absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to die. There is no way that you're going to come back from this. You're, you know, you're very, very old or you're very, very sick and you've had chemo and you've had radiation and you know, you, it's my personal opinion 
that you should never sign a DNR. I'm like you. Do whatever you got to do. Bring yep. me back. Because the fact uh, yeah. that you stop breathing or you have a heart attack does not mean that you cannot be resuscitated and that you won't live a long life, normal life after that. You can live two weeks after that. God just gave you two more weeks. I mean, you know That's what I mean? Right. Two more right. hours. Exactly. So exactly. Um, I would never, I would never do an, personally, I would never do a DNR under any circumstance because of what I just told you. Because exactly. everything is improperly used. And these doctors make decisions that they don't have a legal right to make, but nobody calls them on it. Nobody knows about it. They might not be in the record. The nurse is not. I mean, if we went to court, that nurse would probably lie, okay? That nurse right. would probably lie and stick up for that doctor. They, they, you know, protect each other. All this information is missing. It's very difficult to get to. The person's old. The person's dead. They have no, this is a horrible, disgusting thing, what I'm going to say. In the, in the legal field, they have no value, okay? So nobody wants the cases. I mean, you've got, you've got a 95-year-old man who has a bad heart, and they should have resuscitated him, or they should have sent him to the hospital because he had pneumonia, and it could have been treated, but he died because they decided since he was a DNR not to send him to the hospital, and by the time they got him there, it was too late. Then, too bad, because you know what? He was 95 and bad heart, he was going to die anyway. And that's the attitude. That is the exact attitude. So I personally would never, because what's the difference if they try to resuscitate you? You're dead, right? What is the difference? So they say, well, we're going to break some bones. Well, the person's dead. If they're not coming back, what difference does it make? Resuscitate. 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 I resuscitate. I would not. For me, I'm never going to sign a DNR. I do not treat. I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm going in my own way, in my own time, and that's it. Nobody's taking my life. Because, exactly. you know, if I come to your house and put a bullet in your head, I go to jail, or I should go to jail. But if hospice drugs you up and kills you, they're heroes. There's something wrong with that picture. Murder is murder. I don't care murder what you call Murder is murder. It. Right. And well, like it's condoned, said, and it's premeditated. Anytime you give somebody morphine, Ativan, Haldol, mm-hmm. Seroquel, mm-hmm. Uh, fentanyl, you know mm-hmm. what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't be in that position. And if you do, you are premeditated killing someone, but it is condoned because it is saving the government money. Yep. And many, many people are getting greedy, making money, and the elderly are dying. There there are That's politicians who have advocated for it. There are people who are advocating for it. They advocate to kill people and not treat them, and that is just disgusting. It's disgusting that we're a society that even would suggest that. I mean, I've, and, and I want to just go over a couple more things. I, I've had situations. Um, where people were told, I know at least two instances where people were told in palliative care. Um, One had a breathing problem. She actually had asthma. She had cleaned her basement. She was in her 90s, cleaned her basement, was having breathing difficulty. And the other one was congestive heart failure, minor congestive heart failure. She did not die from that, by the way. Um, And both were advised by their doctors that they should call in hospice but that there was this other part to hospice, okay? This is how it was sold. And it was sold that this isn't the hospice that kills you hospice. 
hospice. This is the kind hospice that comes in and brings you all those wonderful things that you were talking about in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you're going to get all these benefits if you go with this. You're going to get the hospital bed. You're going to get people coming and help out. You're going to get all these things. So, the, you know, so they're expecting, like, that's what they're expecting. So what happens is the person comes, the hospice people come, and they bring in oxygen. If you've never seen it, it's it's like, I don't know, you know those B-rated horror shows? That's what it's like. And they come in with a box of pills. <laughs> like, what? Why are you? And I don't, I don't, I know morphine was in the pills. I'm not even sure what else was in the in the box, right? And they come in with this box of pills to kill a person, and you're like, why are you coming in with this? This person isn't going to die. That They're not here for that, you know, for that. Oh, well, we have to do this. And the oxygen notice goes up on the door, and everybody's going, what, what is this all about? And so everything seems okay until the person wants to go to the hospital. Then the nurse comes and says, you can't go to the hospital. You're on hospice. So I want your people to understand something. Even if you're on hospice, they cannot tell you you cannot go to the hospital. Exactly. You go to the hospital, okay? I don't care what they say to you. You call 911 and you get that little ambulance over there and you go to the hospital. That is simply not true. You have every right to go to the hospital. They can say, we're going to discontinue your hospice. Who cares? That's you can right. go back on it if you really wanted to down the road. Don't even worry about it. But they actually tell people that. So a person was like, what? And then they affected their medications. So the person went to get their medications. The pharmacist said, we can't give you your medication. Why? What do you mean? Well, it came back that you're on hospice. You're not entitled to this medication. I don't even remember what the kind of medication was. But you're not entitled to this medication. And, you know, people call me up and I try to deal with this. I said, look, this person isn't on hospice hospice. I never heard of this before, you know. This is not hospice, hospice. And um, they said, well, hospice is hospice, and that's it. So I call up the agency. The family had reviewed all this with the agency. The agency said, don't worry, it's not that kind of hospice. Now all of a sudden they said there's only one kind of hospice. So they lied. They lied, deliberately lied to the family Mm -hmm. about their intentions. And the family just bringing that up about going to a hospital in Michelle Dewars' book, she has a situation where a lady did not have a DNR, and like you know, you said with the living will, she had stated she wanted everything to be done, and she was on hospice, but you know, she really shouldn't have been, obviously, right? Right. But she had a respiratory that... infection. She mm-hmm. was at home, and she wanted to go to the hospital, and they had always said, call us first. Well, she called. Mm-hmm. And her son said, you know, I'm going to take her to the hospital. No, 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 you can't do that. What do you mean I can't do it? Well, I'm going to take her to the hospital. No, bring her here, and we'll take care of her. We can put her on oxygen, and we can give her an IV antibiotic. So they said, okay. They get there, and lo and behold, the person who checked them in said, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't give antibiotics and IV, and we're not going to do that. We'll have to wait till the doctor comes in tomorrow, and then they'll order it. The lady, well, they, the son persisted. She died in the ambulance on the way mm-hmm. over there because mm-hmm. all this time had elapsed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. don't, don't let them talk you into going into the hospice facility. That's where they murdered my mom for my dad to go for his respite care. They tricked her. They talked her into going. She would have never gone for herself, but when they said, 
your husband is tired, and we're going to take him in, and we'll take care of you in the meantime. Well, through just three or four days. Well, day two, or day one, actually, they started giving her morphine and Ativan. Yep. They lie. I cannot impress this enough on our listeners. They lie. They yep. are taught, just as Francine said, they are taught to manipulate. Yep. Record everything. I mean, an actual tape recorder in New Jersey anyway. I can't tell you for every state. In New Jersey, it is completely legal if you are part of a conversation to record it. And, hey, who cares if it's not legal, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> really? Exactly. Think about it. Point. Who cares right. if it's not legal? Record that conversation because if you have to take those people to court or you have to fight them or you just want the world to know, you have those recordings because they are lying through their teeth. We are having so many problems here right now with medic, medical from from top to bottom in New Jersey. It was bad, but since COVID, it's ten times worse. And without families there, we are having so many problems with home health care agencies, with the hospice, with the doctors. It is just murder, 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 and neglect and abuse. I mean, it's neglect, abuse, and murder. I can't tell you how many people call me and complain from, you know, from how they're getting treated in their doctor's offices, God forbid, to hospitals where we have people who aren't being fed. They don't bathe you anymore. People are coming out in worse condition than they go into the hospital. So you really, you need to be with um, my family. We always sat with the person, spent the night. When my grandmother was hospitalized, my mother slept there. She'd never left my grandmother for one minute, and including mm-hmm. going to the rehab, okay, because they give them the wrong medicines. Again, they lie. You know, you, you refuse flu shots. They, you know they give people flu shots without knowing it? They will, yes. they, will just, they will just hit you with medication that you have said no to and right. then go, oh, oh, we thought you said yes. And recently in a, in a hospital situation I was in there, and I could hear what was going on in the room across the way. And this man, who I don't know what kind of qualifications he had, was in the room trying to convince a patient to sign off on uh, a living will, I guess, and a do not resuscitate. And he, the, the man who was the patient was saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand it. My daughter will have to look at it. And I hear the other guy saying, oh, well, if you don't do this, you're going to have to get a lawyer and you're going to pay a lot of money. I love when they scare people with their lawyers. You're going to have to get a lawyer, God forbid, right? Somebody who's going to help you. Don't get that. And it's going to cost you a lot of money. So you need to sign this here. It's for free. And then this tells us what you want because otherwise we're going to have to do everything for you. And all I kept thinking, I wanted to run over there. I really did. I wanted to run over there and say, get out of this man's room now before I, before I hit you, um, because that's how angry I was. And I, here's this man sick. He's sick. He's in the hospital, right. and you're pressuring him. He's threatened. He, he, he feels threatened, exactly. And they're walking around. I don't know how many people they were doing that to, if they were just a select few or every person. I don't know. But that man, I give him credit. He just kept saying no, and he would not do it. And all I could, if he had Good. signed it, I probably would have went over and, and got the hospital staff and made a big scene. But this is what they do to people. So when, you know, you're, 
when you're in a weakened state, you'll find anything. Half the times you don't even understand what they're doing to you. Okay, exactly. you ask questions, they don't answer, they come in for two seconds. Oh, you're they fine. They tell pen. you. Yeah, exactly. They, they give you a pen and a paper and tell you to yep. sign it. Or yep. there have been a lot of cases where the doctor signs the DNR. The person dies, they kill them, and oh. then the doctor signs that they had a DNR and they didn't. Oh. And they're actually putting the pulse form and it's it's red or green, you know, it's a bright color. They're actually putting that in the hospitals, and the nurse will say that the person said yes. They check off on that. They don't have signatures or the nurse signs for them. So even that form, if you're in the hospital and you see like a pink or a red or a green form in your records, ask to see it. And if it's that pulsed form, rip it up. Now, that's you have, not those one are your I've medical heard records. Yeah. You well, have rights. Good luck with that because here they fight you tooth and nail trying to get your medical records. The good news is a lot of it's online now, but the doctors are not, still not putting their notes and stuff, so you can't get everything. But you can see if you go, I, I don't like to have medical information online, but it is, so you don't have a I choice. Either. But if yes. you, so I was refusing to set this up, but now um, I'm not because they're they're online on their end, and they're the ones who are being hacked. They've got our medical records. They've got everything on us. When you get a phone call, if you have diabetes and you get a phone call or you see something coming up on your computer about diabetes, just know you, you know, your information was hacked and that's why you're getting that. But if you, if you sign up for that, if your hospital has it or your doctor has it, all the tests come up. And you and now you've got evidence you don't have to pay for because they charge us here a fortune. They're allowed to charge up to a dollar a page. And so a lot of people, a lot of times people will call me and say, I think, you know, my loved one, you know, there's medical malpractice. But they, I say, I need the records. I said, before you alert them, get the records. Everybody should have a copy of their records at all times. I make my yes. doctors give me a copy right then and there. When I go in, I want a copy of all my reports. So, um but they'll go in, it'll be $500. People don't have $500 just to spend, just to see, you know, if right. there's a problem. And so, yeah, you're right. It's your records, and there should be you should be able to access them for free because they're yours, and, and they, they fight with you over these things, you know. So there's, there's so many problems that, you know, that force people into hospice if they make it there. Here in New Jersey, I think hospice is going to end up going out of business because now we have, I know you want to call it assisted suicide, I call it euthanasia. All of us who are against it call it euthanasia. We now have euthanasia here, thank you to our governor. Um, we have euthanasia here, and so they can kill you at the hospital. They don't have to bother sending you into hospice, and they are, and they're killing people and that left is and why, right. That is why, I mean, even a um, a medical power of attorney you know, or if you have something, you, you call it a living will. But even that, it, nothing is ironclad except having an advocate that goes with you that knows the ins and outs. And the other thing I had mentioned, Life Legal Defense Foundation, because they have access to pro-life attorneys. However, in New Jersey, I would recommend everybody go to Francine because you are pro-life. Yeah, so, so do you take cases? Oh, now, you take cases of people 
you help them while they are in the hospital or in a facility. You give them information. You do paperwork for them, and you help them after something like this has happened. Yeah, wrongful absolutely. Death. Uh, well, okay. and the, we know that wrongful death is not that simple, but if there is a good wrongful death case, of course. And there's, you know, right. there's there's so much beyond wrongful death. I mean, I had a case of a, we were talking about what the nursing homes do. I mean, they might as well be hospice. You don't have to call it hospice. Person goes in there perfectly fine. They declare that they have dementia. Oh, oh, guess what? Now they have dementia they never had before. And they're suffering from depression. Well, heck, I was just pulled out of my house. You know, I'm 90 years old and I was thrown into this little tiny room with strangers. Yeah, I think I'd be depressed too. And so they drugged up this woman. Uh, to the point where she wasn't eating and she fell, falls, can't get out of bed, ends up with, well, which is a big thing that happens, um, the the source so bad yes. Yes. that there's bed sores so bad that there's, you know, it would take multiple surgeries, um, scraping surgeries, all kinds of things, and the odds are she's not going to serve. She just, she's so bad. She She goes in healthy enough that she probably would have, survive the surgery like that but at that point she is so frail she couldn't survive the surgery okay there's just she wasn't going to survive the surgery and and it's okay i mean this is okay and the family did not know that and people need to read when they put people into these facilities and understand you're giving up your rights you're giving up the person's rights. They start right. using their doctors. If you want to see your doctor, you have to pay for transport. They will not transport them to see your doc, their own doctor. You get their doctors who are making decisions. They, you go in there and they decide you have dementia that you never had. They decide, and they don't even know you. It's like in five a lot or six of cases, questions. It's yes, a couple of questions. They don't even exam. It. You're not even examined hmm. by. A, a, a real doctor, and a lot of times they have in the hospitals now these hospitalists that you know come in. They don't have never met you. They don't talk to you, and yes, they determine. And if you have a UTI, I know we've mm-hmm. discussed this, but if you have a UTI, it can mimic. It can make it seem like you have dementia overnight. Yep. Yep. Because absolutely. you're very sick. You hallucinate. Mm-hmm. You talk. You're dizzy. You don't want to eat. You know. You may become incontinent. A UTI can make you appear that you have dementia overnight. Just absolutely. And, um, and I, I got a I had, note here. I, I know somebody from, um, who. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that I got a note here from Marty um, that in the files, when you were talking about get a copy of your files, if the doctor handwrites notes in that, then the doctor can refuse to give you that documentation because he has handwritten notes on it. No. So. No. No. Well, no. Can I can I break in here for just a second? Mm-hmm. Sure. This went, this went to that's Marty. Went to court. That's the only reason I knew this was this went to court and I to this myself some years ago, and the determination by the court, uh, and I believe, I might be wrong here, girls, but I think it was the Supreme Court in um, uh, Michigan said that if a doctor puts notes in a file, that file no longer belongs to the patient, it belongs to the doctor. When I go to the doctor, if with a written statement in my file, they are not to put any notes into my file. They are made separately, and that that file belongs to me. 
um, and that's the only reason I know that is because I encountered it, and at the time uh, found out about this case, and they are using it as precedence now. This is why they say, you know, patient privacy is not at all about the patient. It's about the fighters. So um, this was this the exact, Michigan Supreme Court does not control. I believe so. I might be wrong, but I will. Uh, um, hang on here. But uh, I'll look that up. Okay. Okay, so Michigan Supreme oh, yeah, Court decision does not affect New Jersey or any place outside of Michigan. It would have to be the U.S. Supreme Court to make that determination. Are you there? So oh. I, she was cutting in and out. Oh, I'm so sorry. So I yeah. guess I guess that is just pertaining to Michigan. So maybe that's something people should check, you know, for their particular medical records, whether or not a um, a doctor, if he puts notes in there, if it is his records then and you can't have them. So that We get them be... all the time. I mean, I have to tell you because I do, I do all different types of work. So I have accident cases, obviously, and I also, I do, well, obviously, but I do, you know, accident cases. I do disability cases, and some doctors don't want to use computers. Uh, unfortunately, the law mandates them to use computers now, but some of them still handwrite their notes. I get handwritten notes all the time. So, okay. um, yeah, so it may be unique, unique to that. Right. So I'm going to um, open it up. If there are questions, I'm going to, Francine, I'm going to let you go ahead and go talk and talk. But if there are any questions, if you select one on your phone, um, you'll be put in a queue, and hopefully Marty will be back in a minute and she can put you through. So go ahead, Francine. Um, yeah, I just, the, the, I don't want to pass up organ donating. Um, Okay. You know, it's a lovely thing. It's very nice that somebody gets to live because another person gives their organs, except that most people don't know, and I've had people actually fight with me on this subject, about people being alive, alive when they're harvesting. Imagine saying harvesting your organs. We harvest corn. We harvest produce. Now we're harvesting organs. Body parts. In China, they sentence people to death for no reason, only because they're an organ match, uh, blood or whatever matches for somebody who needs an organ who's gone to China. If you've never, if you've never seen the videos on this and how they do it, that person steals a loaf of bread and they're sentenced to death because it's usually young males, okay, healthy young males because they're the perfect mm-hmm. ones. And they line right. them up, they line them up on the beach and they put the bullet in a certain part of their brain, which immobilizes them and keeps them alive, the person getting the organ transplant is on the operating table while this is happening, and they're transported over there. Okay, we're not that far from it. So somebody dies. Oh, and now we make a party out of it. Oswald makes parties out of it. It's so gross, okay? Right, And And you are alive, and they are taking out your organs. You're That's alive. True. You can't be a cadaver. Cannot give body parts. Certain certain and body parts Dr. for sure. You cannot. Yes. Right. Yeah. Dr. Paul Byrne has been on the program in the past, and he can attest to that that the person is alive when you take their body parts, and they do feel pain. 
You know, and I there is I do believe acknowledgement of it. Right. I know I had a friend who was in, supposedly in a coma when she was a kid. She heard everything that was going on. She knew everything they were doing to her, and they knew that she knew that the doctors were telling her mother that a couple more days they were going to take her off the life support, and she came out of it. But she heard that. What makes yes. us think that? I mean, have you ever like had your teeth? Like I've had my teeth done, and they give you like a lot of drugs, whatever kind of drugs, you can't really do anything because you're drugged up, but you know everything that's going on. I don't know what people, right. make people what makes people think that they don't know their body's being torn apart. Your heart is, if I go and rip out your heart while you're alive, people would say, oh, my God, what kind of a person are you? You're ripping out people's hearts while they're alive? And it, I, said, well, well, I, I gave them some sleeping pills. I knocked them out. Well, you can't completely knock them out because then the organs aren't going to be viable. Right. 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 And then they declare you dead. They declare you dead before you're dead, okay, so that they can take over the payments because the families don't want to pay to keep you alive for 10 days or 6 days or whatever they need you alive for to take your organs out to give it to whoever. So they, they actually lie on the death certificate. That's another thing. You get a death certificate that says you died on the day you didn't die. You're still alive. But the death certificate says you're dead to make people feel better, and then they, they keep you alive, and then they start taking your body parts. Harvesting. This is, stuff, right. this is stuff from the old vampire days. and that's from those B-rated well, from Robin Hood, Stephen King. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. The, um, it's all what nightmares that, are made of. Exactly. One thing that people may not be aware of is in 1976, they came out with a law, and it's called the Anatomical Gift Act, and it means that you are an organ donor, period, unless you specify that you are not. So before, you had to put on your driver's license that you agreed to be an organ donor. And and don't get me wrong, I, I think that's a commendable thing, and that, you know, years ago when people did that, you couldn't be put in a situation where they say, well, you're brain dead and therefore you're going to die. And they just had a case in Panama City Beach um, last year, and Texas Right to Life got involved and was trying to help this lady. He was a young man, but it, as it turned out, he died, and they have a vigil for him, and they celebrate, you know, how many people he's going to give body mm-hmm. parts to. Mm-hmm. But an anatomical gift act puts everybody in a pool so if you are brain dead they, or you have a wreck and something goes wrong, they automatically go to that facility, and there's several of them around the world, and they let them know we've got this young male who is X number of years, and he has this, 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 and this. And they go into a, a profile data where it's got all your organs that can be had. Okay, um, so I have the to other thing you is, on that, if you don't mind. Yes. That is the uniform. That is not followed by everybody. We do not have that in New Jersey. You mentioned it to me, and I was like, when did I miss that? In New Jersey, you have to have a donor card. You have to have something signed. It doesn't work. It, so the uniform, what happens is they make up these laws that they try to get, like, the whole country to follow, and part of the country will follow it, and the other people will adapt it to whatever they want. So in your state, they may be following it, but in New Jersey, it doesn't work like that. 
So you have to have a donor card or other re- record that's signed by the donor. Like usually we have it on our, you know, now they're trying to get everybody to do it through their um, driver's license. Okay, I'm I'm looking it up as I'm speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got it right in here case, in front of me too. Yeah, in case you are in one of those states then, um, um, halovoice.org has a form that you can get that will state, you put it with your driver's license that says, I'm not an organ donator. So it, it just in case you are in one of those. Um, Marty had something she wanted to add. Oh, Marty, when, um, Marty, I was still, yes. When I was still doing the shows with Arlene Mullen, uh, the uh, dialysis, Advo- dialysis Advocates and Associates, um, the night before one of her uh, ending shows, President Trump signed an executive order. And it was, he claimed that, you know, there was a shortage of transplantable organs and he was going to fix all of that and make sure that in the future there was a supply for everybody that needed it. There isn't. You need to look this up because I don't have the number right offhand of what order number it was, but it had to do with transplants. And you are all now, by executive orders, organ donors, whether you want to be or not. And you are absolutely right. The patient is alive when they take those organs and they give them a paralytic like they do in executions in prisons. People think those people get executed and they don't feel anything, and that's not fair. No, they feel everything. They're given a paralytic, so they can't move, they can't cry out, they can't do anything, and then they Mm -hmm. hit them with all the toxins and poisons. And that is the same thing they're doing in organ harvesting. They give them a paralytic so they can't fight back. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same thing they're doing also with euthanasia with our people because they give them something so they don't throw up. They give them something to calm them down so they can't speak, can't swallow, you know, and obviously they can't think, and then they give them morphine. It's the same type that, that they do to yeah. – um, they had a thing that they ran on this in Oregon which said these are the drugs that they're using to execute prisoners, and it's the same type thing they're doing to our loved ones. Um, the other thing yes. I wanted to touch on is – and, and I'll, I'll do some more research on that um, – and Marty, I've got to correct you on Donald. I'm sorry, on President Trump's order. I have it right in front of me. Okay. So you, you want to finish what you were saying first, or you want me to do that? And I can no, email it to you. Okay. So his order was to encourage. Um, okay, so it's right here. It create new payment models to encourage more kidney transplants and give incentives to seek dialysis treatment at home instead of a more expensive treatment center. Okay, um, it does not force anybody to give kidneys. Uh, you know, well, it, the, it says it's streamlined to expedite the process of kidney matching. Yeah. So, so what he did is he made it easier for people to get these kidneys, but there's nothing in here that says that everybody gets to, has to donate their kidneys. I realize, I realize that, Francine, but I know how it's been interpreted. And that's well, what I don't we're know. Who's, well, that, there may be people yes. interpreting that, but that is, that yeah. order was part of um, his other order that nobody liked was that where hospitals have to give you their rates. So hospitals now, under his order, unless it's been overturned by Biden, um, they have to yeah. give you their rates because people have a right to shop around. And I know clients come to me all the time 
they have these astronomical bills from people they don't even know who they are, you know what I mean, and they don't have a right to choose, and they just think you go in the hospital, you go in the hospital. So that was all part of that order, and I'll gladly, you know, send it over if you'd like. Yes, I'd appreciate it. Yes, yes. Okay. So I will send it to Marsha. Yeah, you can send it to me, and I'll I'll forward it to her. Um, Okay, so the other thing I wanted to touch on before we, we lose out here, and I'm assuming we don't have anybody with questions, but there is also an apnea test that they give people if you're considered brain dead, and that is not a sleep apnea test. It is a test that they run where they actually remove the oxygen from your brain for 10 minutes, which causes the brain to swell even more than it already is, and then they can say, see, look, you know, there's no brain activity. There's no waves here. The person is dead. It is, to me, it is so sinister to do that. So So an apnea test, if if you're a person they believe is brain dead, do not let them give them an apnea test. It removes the oxygen. Their brain will swell. And a brain injury takes a long time to heal. Jennifer Hammond was on the program, and she had a brain injury, was in a coma for several months. She came out of it, but as you said, she heard the doctor talking about harvesting her organs. And her Mm -hmm. husband, fortunately, the woman was 26 years old, had two small children. Her husband, fortunately, was strong and told the doctor no. The doctor was really ticked off about it, but the husband did not sway. You have to be a strong advocate for your loved ones. Yes, and there was a little girl in, and I think this is the one, I'm probably saying her name wrong, Jahi McMath in California, where there was a medical malpractice and she ended up supposedly brain dead. And in California, if you're brain dead, then they, she, they couldn't sue. So there was a whole legal aspect to this, and they wanted to, to kill her. And the parents fought, and they, got, they were strong enough whatever, smart enough, they got her out of the hospital and they got her out of California. And we actually, um, my family personally knows the doctor who helped that little girl, and he was working with her, and she started to come back around when she was declared brain dead. Unfortunately, she died from other complications, but she lived quite a few years after that. Okay. And so they got to have their daughter... For years. Yeah, five exactly. years. Five years she died. Yeah. Uh, five years before she died. Well, and that's what I say with the hospice and what they're doing with people. They, you know, my mom's sitting, and I go back to my mom's because it's personal, but they don't know. I mean, she had been recertified twice. My mom was not dying. She was being treated for congestive heart failure successfully, mm-hmm. and she could have lived six months, a year, two years. They don't know they murdered her. Mm-hmm. That's that is the long and the short of it, and it is happening every day. People are being lied to, and we have to protect our loved ones. They and have it shows the right. like this. Yep, it shows yes. like this that helps people. So um, you, you've got a couple minutes. You've got three minutes left, okay, so I will so let you 
Anything else you want to jump in there and say? Yeah, so one quick story recently. It was a hospice story that people didn't understand hospice. Um, the, The parent already had a fentanyl patch. They removed and was controlling their pain. They removed it and started drugging her up with the morphine and who knows what else. Also, the person had a feeding tube, and they refused to feed the person through the feeding tube with the excuse that they asked the person, where do you want to be fed, and they pointed to their mouth. And since they couldn't feed them through their mouth, they weren't allowed to feed them. And the family, unfortunately, did not understand what was happening, did not understand their rights, did not understand they could throw them out. Um, It was a horrific thing. Everybody's suffering from it now. Uh, Of course, the mother passed away. And, um, you know, what do you mean you can't put her feeding feeder through her feeding tube? Obviously, she elected a feeding tube, and she's elected fentanyl, and it's working for her. Don't call these people into your home. Don't let them in your home. Just don't. Don't let them in. That's the bottom line. Absolutely. Let your parent, your loved one, just die, but don't let them in your home. Don't let them murder them. Don't let them murder them. And that's exactly right. Do not sign up for hospice. It, uh, It used to be a great thing. It is not now. And your loved one is at risk of them shortening their life in the most horrendous way. It is horrible. And we all live with that grief and guilt and feeling like why didn't, you know, we knew something, but we couldn't stop it. And you never, nobody, you do not want to go through that. Hospice is not trustworthy. No, and that's why, you you know, you pick up a phone, you contact an attorney. Be careful with a lot of the elder law attorneys because they are trained, too, to advocate for some of this. I hate to say that. You know, you want somebody who's going to advocate your way. But listen to them. You know, I can't tell you how many times I tell people, you don't have to do this. You can say no. You can get your record. You are entitled to this. You can. And then they don't listen to me. They just they choose the easier route. You know, and they'll go, but well, they told me I'm going to lose my house, but they said it's going to be difficult, but the person wouldn't want to live like this, you know. Um, just all kinds of craziness that they kind of, I think people get tired too, and they want the easy way out sometimes. I, I hate to say that, but it's it's a lot easier for some well, people. Well, I mean, I, 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 my dad's 93. It, it's challenging. It's challenging, mm-hmm. but I, I, you know, I'm going to protect him. That, That's just, what we're supposed to Right. They protected us when we were little, right? Right. When we were little, and and the bully came after us. Our parents went after the bully. You know, if the teacher gave you a hard time, our parents went after the teacher. If you had a fever, they stayed up all night with you until you and felt took better. Care of you. Uh, do you right. want to give them, real quick here, give them access? Do you want to give them an email address or anything for you? Um, I'll give my, yes. Uh, it's Actually, I'm going to give my telephone because I don't answer a lot of emails because okay. of all the um, viruses. So if it's just a random okay. email, I don't try to open them. Okay, so go ahead and give your number before we lose time. 908-753-2079. Okay, and this is Francine Gargano from New Jersey. Thank you so much for coming on, and excellent program. You gave a lot of good information, and thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. 
Okay. Good night, everyone, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Good night. Bye-bye.